So you want to boost the Wi-Fi signal? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the highest point on the house? That'll be the lightning conductor, right on the roof. You've got a lightning conductor? Yeah. Well, that'd be perfect. Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. So you, were, so you were discussing the gates of hell opening on... Uh, yes, yes. It's very odd when nature suddenly decides to come to your village and destroy it, such as the Guatemalan hellhole, the sinkhole, shouldn't call it the hellhole, the sinkhole that opened up. It's about 60 metres deep they've discovered now. It's this massive hole 20 metres across. I saw a schematic of just what you could put down a 60 metre hole that large. <laughs> like what? Like, basically, it showed a picture of the hole and then a picture of the Statue of Liberty standing at the bottom of the hole. <laughs> Peeking out, torch, the, the light from the torch able to be seen from the rest of the town. No, oh, not at all. Really? All the way down the bottom of the hole. It, it didn't come up to halfway up oh, the hole. Oh my goodness. And it didn't, it swallowed a three-story building, they're saying, a three-story factory. Just fell in. No, 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 no. It, it's... If I read the story correctly, yeah. they said that allegedly there was a building there. So all, all the authorities were not uh, 100% sure that there was a building on the location. <laughs> they assumed there was because the entire corner of the block had gone. Well, they but, were saying also, that also fits in well with the idea that no one died. They went, oh my goodness, 60 metre hole opens up 20 metres across. Uh, and opens up and swallows an entire building. But don't worry, no one died. But now, of course, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, people died. And it's like, oh, that's very sad. Because to begin with, it was just a, hey, it's a funny hole. A, a dirty, great hole, but it's still just a hole, you know? I don't know whether it's a funny hole. It's a, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a vaguely terrifying hole. Well, it's right at an intersection. That's the other thing I couldn't work out. Who puts a building in the center of an intersection? If you look at the picture, which we'll link on the podcast, the, the picture, it's in the intersection. So it's almost well, like someone came up, like in the movie Hellboy, when the big kind kind of Cthuloid creature thing comes up. <laughs> the plant got all of them, what it Not was. Not so much an intersection as a target. Well, yes. <laughs> and, and you just go, well, and how did this happen? I say, well, it rained a lot. Like, wow, it rained a lot, so it made a 60-metre hole. Like, why do humans and live in circular. dumb places? Yes, perfectly circular. When I first saw it, Dan, I kept thinking, Photoshop. Photoshop, Photoshop, mm. Photoshop, Photoshop. And I saw many pictures from different angles. People saying, it's not Photoshop. Here's like seven pictures from different angles. And I still went, not Photoshop, it has to be. Because it was sheer. It was sheer up and down. It, was yeah. no, it wasn't even bits and pieces sticking out of it. It was just done. Scared the hell out of me. There you go. Yeah, and I, I couldn't figure out why it would be so perfectly circular initially. I, I, I kept trying to figure out why this would happen. And I did a little bit of research. And sinkholes happen because like, there's a huge cabin under the city, hmm. like a huge empty space, and everything's hmm. built on the, the, the land, which is uh, strong and powerful and full of rocks and sand. <laughs> um, that's, the, that's the government answer anyway. But what happens is, the reason that the sinkhole happens is that that area becomes too heavy, and you realise that all the sand is filled with spaces of air, but when it fills up with water, then that area gets too heavy, and the whole thing just drops. Drops away, yeah. Drops away. Ugh. And I was like, but, but, I mean, still you'd expect, like, you watch a river, and it sort of cuts through, and That's it has right. a very, very odd yes. shape. And if that dropped out, it would be a big crack. It but it be. makes sense, because uh, I don't, I'm not sure how this one developed, and I don't think they know yet, but there was another <laughs> one in Guatemala a couple of years ago, and that happened because of a burst water main or a right. sewage line or something. Oh, and so from a single hmm. point, you had water going out into a substance that was all pretty much the same stuff, all sand, and it just sort of bled out in a great big sphere of water. And so, at some point, oh. there was so much weight 
that everything that was wet just went straight down. If you have a sphere of water that yeah. suddenly drops down, then of course the circumference in a two-dimensional plane yeah. is a circle. a circle. Boom. Smart enough to know better. It's it's a really odd thing. I, I love it when nature does these odd, odd things and makes you worry. And, and you can, look at you, tornadoes. You look at a tornado, you can't figure out how it's supposed to just naturally start. It's, but no, yeah, I suppose. And if you are a meteorologist, please uh, email in and tell us how they naturally start. Or it's all. Well, it's Wikipedia, it's probably easier. There, <laughs> there was a tornado in Sydney. Tornado? Or, An actual tornado? There was a mini tornado in, not, not in Sydney, sorry, uh, just south of Byron Bay, mm. at a little town down there. Uh, yes, a mini tornado just tore through a bunch of houses. And when I say mini tornado, still a couple of meters across and yeah. just ripping trees and they gardens up. And I know, sort of in America, where they sort of in the tornado belts of America, they have a big problem with losing one half of the town, or no, not half the town, one half of the street, and not the other half of the street. As this huge tornado just destroys these buildings and that building and this building, but everywhere else is fine. And you just go, mm, nature's a bastard and, and likes to pick on certain people. You didn't <laughs> kill enough chickens to the dark gods. That's the question, ladies and gentlemen. You must sacrifice more chickens. <laughs> uh, but actually, tornadoes be damned, though. I lived in North Queensland for yep. many, many years of my life, and let me tell you, cyclones, 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 much nastier and scarier than tornadoes. And, and I suppose if anyone in the Northern Hemisphere, hurricanes, if you've dealt with hurricanes, remember, kids, cyclones go clockwise, hurricanes go anti-clockwise due to the Corollas effect. Yay! You can look and it does it work in a bathtub? No, it doesn't, No, it doesn't. And, and everyone will hear that tone of annoyance in my voice, but that's something for another podcast. <laughs> something for the future. Yeah, so we'd like to build a bit of bit of rapport and maybe a little yeah. bit of... And study. sizzle for upcoming Sizz- oh, episodes of sizzle. Dan being right. <laughs> I, I like, actually, I like that idea for a new segment. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss that later. Anyway, uh, <laughs> cyclones. Cyclones come in, and uh, when I was very young, we had them come up on the coast, living in Bowen, North Queensland, and this is in Australia, by the way, for our international listeners. So in Bowen, it's a tiny town. Uh, it, it was a town of, town of 8,000 people, so no one lived there, basically. And cyclones... But Jesus just, got a good fake mango out the front. It does, but that wasn't there when I lived there. We wouldn't have put up with that crap. <laughs> that fiberglass mango crap for us, thank you very much. But it, this, these cyclones would, would just come straight down at Bowen and just come straight in, just the way the, the land and the, and the sky worked, I suppose. It just poof, and it would hit us. And it was quite an interesting experience to be a kid and to be involved in these storms, we have up to 200 kilometer-an-hour winds. Uh, what's that? Um, 130 miles an hour winds, uh, and and just come blasting in and wipe everything out. But of course, your houses were were cyclone-proofed, mm. so that was actually properly cyclone with you know built correctly. Yeah. But they were tent t- pegs and extra always, nails. You'd always you'd always go out, so you'd be huddling in your house and you'd be huddling in the bathroom, which we we, we were told back then that was the safest place to be because of the pipes yeah. and the walls, and that was the strongest point. It so the, it was the least likely part of the house to fly away. That's right. Yeah, and uh, then you'd come out, and you weren't meant to. They always say, okay, the cyclone has passed over. It's sitting on top of Bowen. Right? Right now, and of course it all goes quiet because you have a big swirling storm, and it's swirling, 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 swirling. So it doesn't swirl in the centre. There's nothing happening in the centre. It's mm. dead calm, and I mean dead calm, and eye of the storm. And you walk outside, which you should never do, but we always did because you're kids. And you used to walk outside and stand there in the storm, and you would wait, and you'd wait, and you'd wait. You could wait up to ten minutes, and then suddenly the wind would come from the other side <laughs> and it would slowly pick up but you wouldn't mess around because as soon as you felt the wind pick up you had to run it was get back into the house because it wasn't it wouldn't take 10 minutes to build up it would be nothing 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 bang uh, you just suddenly have a storm hit you so would the storm be traveling at a uh, faster speed on the outside than on the inside 
Uh, oh, you mean the trajectory of the storm or the the the, 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 well, the swirl? You're talking about the direction of the storm or the spinning, the spinning of the, the, the is it is it like a great big donut that spins around? Because if you span yes. a giant donut, the inside part of the donut would travel. Well, because it's bigger, bigger circumference. Yeah, the circle bigger, so it travels it, travels more distance at the same time. Therefore, yeah. it's traveling at speed. Yeah. So yeah, so it, so the wind would be stronger at the very beginning, at the very end of a cyclone passing over you. Yes. Uh, uh, I suppose so. I'm not an expert, but I would say probably not. It probably halfway into the or three quarters away, a quarter of the way, sorry, from the edge would probably be strongest because outside there's drag. Yeah, and and, and, and this thing going on. And the fact is, the storm has to end somewhere. So, yeah. So there's two forces uh, working on slowing it, keeping it slow. But like everything. Yeah. Friction, baby. You need it at all times. Otherwise, That's ridiculous. You would... I've never needed friction in my life. <laughs> oh my god! Ah! It's sliding away. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's but it was an exciting thing to be be a part of, and quite dangerous. And but also, I'm glad I went through it. You understand what a really big storm actually is, and you realise how puny mankind's accomplishments are. That sounded quite pretentious then. It was good. I like that. <laughs> then I just ruined it by you, saying that. You weren't responsible for it, though, were you? What? <laughs> I claim nothing, and <laughs> I deny nothing. <laughs> I think we can move on. Hey, Johnny! Oh, man, I recognize that voice. Big Tony! Big Tony, how you doing? What? What? What's wrong, man? You remember little Tony? Yeah, man. Mike the fish put him in the ground. Terrible thing. Terrible thing. Yeah, it was a terrible thing. That was eight years ago. Wow. Eight years, Dad. That's a long time. Yeah, little Tony has been in the ground for eight years. And? So just call me Tony. What? I'm the only Tony. I have been for eight years now. You can stop calling me Big Tony. But, but, Big Tony, you're, you're Big Tony. You know what affirmations are? Self-fulfilling prophecies? What are you talking about, Big Tony? My doctor says I gots to lose some of this weight. I'm going to these meetings. I'm drinking these god-awful shakes. You losing weight, Big Tony? That's the problem, Johnny. I ain't lost no weight. They're talking to me about these affirmations that the more you hear stuff said out loud, the more it becomes true. So when you get called Big Tony, you you think it's keeping you from losing weight? I don't know. Maybe. Ain't good for my self-confidence, I'll tell you that. It ain't necessary. Jeez. Uh, uh, jeez, Tony. I I'll try to help you out. I I'll spread the word around. Let's make this thing happen. Thanks, man. I knew I could count on you. I'm going to put in a good word for you with Francisco. I'm going to make sure he knows that Johnny the Horse Fiddler is a dependable guy. Actually, uh, now you bring it up. Okay, I've got a hypothetical situation for you. Ooh. Imagine, imagine that uh, suddenly zero point energy was attained. What does that mean? Zero-point energy is the energy that pops into and out of existence in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And if we were able to harness this, then we'd get basically energy for nothing. We'd get as much energy as we ever needed. Do you know why they think that exists before we go on? 
They measured it, didn't they? Uh, well, yes, yeah, but why, well, why would you even think about it? I mean, vacuum is a vacuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it had something to do with the noise in the background, didn't something? No, no, no not as far as I'm aware. The thing I found out about it, you know, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Yes, you can know I where think so. You can know where something is. <laughs> you can know where something is, and you can know its momentum, but you can't know both. If you know exactly where something is, you can't tell where it's going or where yep. it's been. If you know exactly where it's going or it's been, you can't tell where it is. Yep. All right, that's the sort of what you can't lock down to. Well, that means if you know, if you declare vacuum to have zero energy, therefore it has no momentum. You know something specifically. So therefore, I think I've got this right. Maybe if maybe I go around the wrong way here, but what that means is you know something specifically about a point in space, and you yep. can't. You're not allowed. Heisenberg uncertainty principle says you can never know definitely 100 percent what something is doing or its, or its momentum. Otherwise, you wouldn't know. The other one would be zero percent. You can't have zero percent if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it can't ever be. So if you know if the vacuum was zero energy, that means you'd know something definite about a quantum state, and that's ah. not allowed. And that's what brought around the someone went, well, hang on. Therefore, it must always be uh, something happening. There must be little things bouncing into existence, and then as you came up, zero point energy. Indeed. Now, I've probably got this completely wrong, but when they say that you can't measure where something is or know where it is... On a quantum level. On a quantum level or where, or where it's, it's going. I always assumed that if you knew where something was, then you'd just have measured it and your equipment would have gotten in the way of where it was going or you measured how fast it was going and by the time you measured it, it was already gone. It, well, it kind of, it kind of it, is. Really? It kind it of is? It kind of is? Well, think about it. If you, if you want to know where something is, how, okay, how do you know I'm in this room? Because light bounces off you and gets into my eye. And, but I'm a, I'm a big, big thing, right? And... Plus and smell. I, you can tell from the, the smell photons that come from my body. <laughs> oh my god, smell photons. The smell, they travel slower than hate. Radiant uh, smell that travels the vacuum of space. Rhinos work on smell. Rhinos, they have very bad eyesight, but they pick up by smell. They can say where things were hours ago. So they, they work mm. on smell. That's a whole different thing. Okay, so, uh, what were we saying? Oh yes, so if you have a small subatomic particle. Yeah. Now that's small, it's yeah. subatomic. Yeah. And you fire a photon on it. It'd be like trying to work out where I was by hitting me with Mars. They go, where's Greg? Boom! And they go, he was right there! <laughs> Listen for the scream. He was right there. Where was he going? God knows! <laughs> was he fast enough to escape the planet? Probably not. And that's the thing. So you, and you, you've changed the system, what yes. I'm trying to say here, with the photon. Yeah. A photon is huge compared to a subatomic particle, and, and it damages, damages. It changes the system anyway. So, so basically what you're saying is that if you had, like, a black ball somewhere on a billiard table and you didn't know you could fire a white ball at it and you could only know by the bump where it was or which way it was going or... Well, if you know, if you know the, the beginning velocity of the ball, yep. therefore you know yep. its direction and the speed is travelling, and so you say it's moving three metres a second uh, at 30 degrees, from the edge, and it, then suddenly after two seconds it hits something, clack, yep. then you can do the maths, and you can do yeah, trig, yes. and you can work out where the black ball was. Where the black ball is now? Nah, no idea. You've changed the system. Yeah. And also you've, you've imparted momentum on that system, and all sorts of excitement. Yes. This is what you're bringing up? This is the hypothetical? No. No. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, so we've got as much energy as we possibly want. What happens to society then? Where's the next bottleneck? Oh... Because if you've got as much energy as you want, suddenly you can grow lots of food for people. Yes. I think that it, it would be exactly what we have now. It's not... 
we fight all through history for land and for uh, resources. So all you've, got, all you've done is get rid of the resources yep. problem. So you no longer have to dig up something from the ground or farm it from the sky or whatever, take it out of living beings. But we still have a problem with land and ideology. So the problem, well, I think, would not land, change. Suddenly you could irrigate the Sahara and the desert and stuff. Can you make water? Well, with hydrogen and oxygen, why not? You, you yeah, throw, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, You throw, you throw energy at it. And and you just use all that energy, and then you just suck water out, out of the ocean using electrolysis. And what can go wrong with that? Uh, yes. Look, yes, it'll be fine. We can make water. But you say, so, okay, fine. So we, the planet has roughly 7 billion on it right now, and then we're all freaking out because 1% of us live in, at lap, in the lap of luxury. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're one of those 1%, in fact, even though you may not think you are. You probably, you probably are. If, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you you're in a shack with no food or water, maybe your priorities are wrong. <laughs> That's right. Stop buying the iPads. <laughs> Leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> Steve Jobs doesn't need your money. All right. So, uh, so uh, yes, fine. If, if you could suddenly get rid of the problem with food and water and, and oil, so we'd just go, okay, goodbye to the places in the world that are fighting over each other. But they continue yep. fighting. Ideologies wouldn't suddenly stop. To humans, uh, humans... Is that true, though? Because yeah. people stop fighting when they stop, when they, when they stop being poor, don't they, generally? Uh, yes, generally, but not always. Imagine, imagine right now, if you suddenly said to Israel and Palestine, and here we get into the dangerous territory, uh, if you said to them, here's all the energy in the world, they don't want all the energy in the world. They want that piece of land that would be yeah. to them by God. Look, that's, that's a side, I think it's a side note. I think maybe, yeah. let, let's, let's say we could say, oh, for God's sakes, here's a new area for you. Yeah. We can now go live in the Sahara because the sexy is wonderful. Admittedly, of course, the, the nice people of Morocco on that side of the Sahara would go, excuse me, that's a whole, this is the problem. People I would know, defend their land. Uh, Israel, Israel's on a water body, right? Uh, years. Could, couldn't you just sort of scooch the entire state so it was double the size, and say, look, it's all the same state. It's the same land. We, we pushed some of that into the water and made new pal- new Israel. I don't think the problem is Israel. I think and the- we just checker it. So that everyone gets a bit, and you just pass between everyone's different. <laughs> it's, it, once again, it's Holy Land. Uh, I'm sold. It's, not, it's Palestine. It's not. It's not Israel. Israel turned. Israel didn't exist. Well, Israel existed. Mm. Then Israel stopped existing. Yep. And then after World War, uh, World War, uh, uh, World, War uh, World War Two. Thank you. Uh, the the British went. This is now Israel. Everyone went. Hooray! What can go wrong? And we're still living with that problem now. Mm. That's very simplistic. I realise, but still, it's what yeah. happened. And so it's the Palestinians who went. Excuse me, we were here first, and the Israelis went. No, we were here first, and lots of big, and then the fighting went on forever. And of course, it's Arabs versus Jewish people, so it's a bit of a problem there. I wouldn't say it's Islam versus Judaism, but it's definitely the tribes of people. Mm. You know what I mean, that's probably more important culturally, more so than religiously. Uh, so I don't know if you, even if you did scooch some land into the water and then said, "Hey, that's New Palestine." Israel can say what it is, but you can have New Palestine. Some would accept it, but I think some would go, "No, no, screw you." Israel is our, our land, thank you very much. Then you put them on the, the original bit. But then so the Israelis wouldn't want to move because um, it's their land. Look, this is not look, there are brand new condos for you. We made, we made firmament. <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> more firmament. <laughs> we did it in four weeks. Well, how long did your God do it? One day. That's 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 good. You get a lot of zero point energy in your hand. <laughs> but okay, let's get past it though. I think that's a bit of a cop out. If you just say humans would stop it because you're ideology, I think that's a so part of me believes it quite strongly. Um, I don't think it's a cop out answer. So okay, fine. We work it out. We spread out evenly across the planet. Yep. We, we take over areas, but. You still have more and more humans, and more and more humans, and no more humans, and no bottleneck of energy. So you can make all the food, make all the water, make all the cars, make all the iPads, make all the whatever, and everyone can have what they want. Can you just make raw matter out of the energy? 
Well, could you use the, the zero point energy, harness it, and turn that energy into if matter? If you could, that would be magic, I think. I mean, there, there, there's wonderful stories. Charles Stross wrote a brilliant novel called Singularity Sky, uh-huh. where he talked about um, the people on a planet are less technologically advanced than we are, I think. But let's say roughly our level of advancement, and suddenly this alien race turns up called the Festival, turns up, and they're like, hey, we're here, and they drop mobile phones on the planet. And, and they go, hey, when you pick up the mobile phone, you can talk to the aliens. And what the aliens say is, tell us something new. If you tell us something new, we'll give you whatever you want. And, and you say, oh, wow, okay. And you tell about your life. Guess what they want to know? And they go, hey, my name's Gregoire, and I know this, this, and this. And they go, cool, that's new, thanks. And they give you whatever you ask for, some yep. money and gold. Then they, someone works out, give me the machine that makes anything. And so suddenly you have a machine, a box that lands, yep. that actually you can pull whatever you like out of it. So that, I think that's a level of technology that... I don't understand. Yes, matter and energy are the same. E equals MC squared, kids. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we can. Yeah, no. we, don't, we, don't, we don't have any. No. Okay. So, but if, if you had plenty of energy, then you'd be able to develop ships that could just, like, grab asteroids and, yes. and, and space matter. and like, Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't... You'd move stuff around a lot easier. Well, money, well, money wouldn't be a problem, because at the moment, yeah. it's, it's like $100,000 to send a kilogram into space. Yeah. So that would mean nothing anymore, because it's, it's the energy yeah. is what takes the petrol. So if you just said, we have, enough, we have an energy source, and now you can just put something on the back of a rocket and hurl it up there, yeah. we could go into space and grab all sorts of asteroids made from giant nickel mm-hmm. or whatever and bring it back to Earth, or water. Once again, yeah. there's no cap on resources. So you just have more and more humans and more and more humans and more and more humans. And maybe the number would be 50 billion. Maybe the number would be 100 billion. But suddenly it's standing room only, kids. What do you do? And also, I don't want to stand that close to you. You know what I mean? I think the best bottleneck would be the planet itself. So actual space on the planet. Yes, I think so. Admittedly, though, if you have the energy, we kind of touched on it before then, if you could throw things into space cheaply, then you can throw people in space cheaply in the nicest possible way and send them away. Yeah, the poor ones. <laughs> They're the ones who want to go. Okay, for, for example, Barack Obama and his administration, not just Barack Obama, but his administration just cancelled the going to Mars. It's all gone. So oh, really? They're not going to Mars anymore. So they're saying by 2020... That's the manned mission to Mars? Yes, manned mission to Mars. It's yeah. still in probes, yeah. yes. And there's reasons for that. It's because the money they already had wasn't enough to do it in the time they had. Yeah. So there's reasons and back and forth. I think it's really sad, but okay, I kind of understand it. So they're still going to send probes. What they want to do now is send astronauts to an asteroid by 2025. Mm-hmm. That's a long way away, though. It's, it's 2010. I mean, for goodness sakes, 15 years to go to an asteroid. Mm. It's difficult. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And it doesn't grab the imagination quite as much as Mars. Mars. Yeah. Where the aliens are, where we're the Martians we're, are. We're, 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 we'll discuss that a bit later, I think. <laughs> Something I want to bring up with you later. But uh, if you asked people, though, if you said if it wasn't about money and if it wasn't about... Because they say, oh, it's very dangerous and you're going to get radiation and you're going to be so irradiated you won't have children or you'll just die because you'll be three years in space. We can't protect you. I still think, and I think I'd be one of them, if someone said to me, Greg, do you want to go to Mars? I would go, and you, you, there's a 50% chance of your death. I would say... Yes, please. I'd be all over that like a rash, uh, some sort of space rash. I, I, I would, <laughs> it would be brilliant. And I think a lot of people would think like me to get on a spaceship and go somewhere interesting only because it's not here and it's something new and you're exploring and it's something exciting. Even though the chance of destruction is quite high, mm. I think you would, I think, well, I know I would, and I, I'm pretty certain lots of other people would line up. I, I'm going to say that if you said we're going to Mars, and who wants to go? Find the people. So maybe maybe it wouldn't be a problem. Maybe we could all just bugger off. And a lot of the time, let's say ninety nine out of a hundred times they'd die. But maybe that one out of a hundred wouldn't, and that would fill the universe in a couple of million years, or at least yeah. the galaxy. You know, I mean, it wouldn't take long, and suddenly yeah. 
exponential growth. So uh, is energy the only thing holding us back from this stuff? Energy and ideology. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Rarity. Yes, I think rarity. I think if you could say a rarity is probably a good way of putting it, actually. If you say when, if things, when things are rare, it makes plans difficult. Shakespeare tonight before the break we were talking about the Earl of Gloucester himself Richard III most know him as a tyrannical king of England who was bloodily deposed by King Henry VII but few know of his other ill-fated careers jobs such as meteorologist and so it was that all the footballers found themselves down the back and though the plane was destroyed Ping Ping the Panda gave birth to two adorable cubs and now, here's Richard with the weather. Now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this sun of York and all the clouds that loud upon our house in the deep bosom of the ocean buried. <clears throat> Brisbane, 22. Chance of showers in the late afternoon. Thanks, Richard. Sounds like a neat weekend for regicide. And who can forget his attempt at being an Olympic equestrian? <laughs> a horse! A horse! My kingdom for a horse! Not to mention his ill-advised career as a runway model. Why? I can smile and murder while I smile. <gasps> After this terrifying foray into the world of haute couture, Richard III has crashed back into the world of Shakespearean obscurity. Next week, Shakespeare Tonight will be focusing on Hamlet, the dishy prince of Denmark. This Danish prince had a lucrative side business in the pencil industry. To be or not to be. That is the question. So we touched on something before about life on other planets and sending human beings away. Yes. Now, if I say to you, where would, where's the best chance of finding extraterrestrial life in our solar system? Well, I'm quite lucky because I have been watching a documentary series on ABC called Voyage to the Planets. Ah, uh, yes. And I love it. And so in each episode, there's some scientist who loves this specific planet. And they go, the moon of this planet is where we're most likely to find life. And it's happened three times now. The people who really, really love Mars go, Mars is our best shot at finding life because water used to flow across Martian soil. And then, of course, there's the people who love Jupiter and say the moon of Europa is the best place to find life. And then on the Saturn episode, the moon of Titan is where all the life in the solar system will be. And so these scientists, who are supposed to be sort of very specific and logical, have this emotional bias going, my planet is where you're going to find life. And so the... 
And so they should. I mean, let's face it. It's it's. I'd rather someone go. No, this is really important and really exciting, and, and therefore this is you know, we're, we're passionate because everyone thinks that scientists are like, eh, eh, I'm doing science and maths. Eh. And, and but it's not. They, these are beautiful, passionate people. I, I get display really, human emotion. Now. And they do. And, and the thing is, they're displaying emotion about something that most people go, oh, whatever. But it's quite beautiful. So that, you didn't answer the question. Oh, best place to find life. I would like to say that it's Titan, even though I don't think they even said it on the documentary that Titan was the best place on Saturn's. But it's the one I've always remembered from when I was young, although I think that Titan's oceans are made of methane. That's right. Well, yes, I think you've hit on quite a few things there. Titan is very, very cold. People who don't know, it's a giant moon. Uh, well, it's, it's a moon. <laughs> uh, it's, it's bigger <laughs> than Mercury, so it's a big, big, yeah, yeah. big body of a lot rock. of real estate. Yes, it's and and it's uh, and it's very, very cold. Negative about negative two hundred degrees Celsius, roughly. So it's very, very cold, and it is mainly rocky in the mm-hmm. centre, and it has ice. Uh, around the centre bit. They think it might have a molten core as well. Yep. Different people talking about that. But the ice, because the pressure is uh, just the coldness of the ice, so that temperature, then the ice is as hard as rock. Yep. So, uh, rock on Earth. Now, that's something I never knew. That, that I, I assumed that when ice went when water went cold and turned into ice, that was as hard as it gets. No, no, no. But apparently, the colder it gets, the harder it gets. Yes, but yeah, it can, it can get, yes, it can get very, very, like, hard as rock, yeah. It can be very, very different. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. Because if things are just, if it's just between uh, solid and liquid phase, so from, from ice to, to water... But, but then... water doesn't get more solid up until the point where it becomes ice, does it? Does water become... Well, yes, yeah. it does. Oh. Yes, it does. Water, water melts, and then water's water. But the, it's hang on. liquid, but and the, then it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. There's a, fuzzy moment. Still, there's a fuzzy moment. There's no... There's, there's no, a fuzzy moment, there's sure. No puzzle, but so, so you get slushy but and weird. From, and... But from 2 degrees water to yes. 96 degrees water, yes. you don't get thicker water yes, and thinner water. What? <laughs> what? Well, okay, okay, this is a... If you put a My nice... world is upside down! <laughs> think about it, because it's taking more space. Hotter things are. What, what, what is heat? If, if you touch something and it's hot, what is it? Uh, it's moving. It's moving, yeah. The, the, the summertime particles are like, woo! That's, that's my noise emotion. And then the, the louder, <laughs> the, the louder, woo! That means the movement, woo! And once it gets too high, it buggers off. It, it, it flies just, away. And this weird mental image of all of these H2O particles with ther- <laughs> little tiny theremins. <laughs> I see, that's it. When they get enough energy, they wee and they bugger off. Yeah. So they're taking up more and more space. They're, they're, they're pushing apart from each other. The bonds that hold them together, they're, they're in, in water, not there are, they, they're sort of together, they're further apart now. They're, they're not as big. Therefore, if you've had things further apart, it's not as dense. It's, it is not... It is taking up more area. If you have the same mass taking up more area, that's density. Less density, it's ta- it's, it's, it has now become slightly more gas-like than it was the degree before. So, so if you had a great big bathtub in the Pacific Ocean mm. that was the size of Australia and it was that warm and it, it came up to a level, like came up to the very rim mm-hmm. of the big tub, and then you moved the entire tub to the Antarctic, mm. then it would freeze solid. Okay, this is a bad... <laughs> this is bad. You haven't asked a question you, yet. You go, you go further south, mm. so it doesn't freeze. Yes. But the water, the water level would actually drop. Yes. Because that water... So it would become less... Same mass, but less water. 
not less water. Yeah, but but it's a, it would be the same ma- mass. But, but the water would fill in less space. It would shrink. Yes, yes, it would fill less. Yes, not less water because yes. that means but, mass has got mass has gone. But 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 it's water. Yes. and there would be less of it. No, 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 no. But there would be less. No, like if, if you, you measure measuring all, it along the edge of the mass, there it, would be less water. I, okay, mass didn't change. There's so not less water. Yes, same I amount understand of water. This. Okay, but there's less density. Yes, and I know more density. Sorry, and the same amount of mass would be compressed into well, not compressed would freeze into a smaller area, yes. But also, now, water's a bit crazy anyway, because... it gets bigger when it freezes. Yeah, at the last second it does, that's right. And also, in that change, because water floats, solid mm. water floats on liquid mm. water. But that makes sense, because it crystallises. Yes. And so, and and it's, and that, so becomes So, so people who are listening to this, you know, thinking about science, have probably been screaming out of the last minutes, going, but it floats! And it does, you're right. So water's not the best choice. But if you take molten rock, yeah. and then you place a solid rock on top of it, the same rock, like granite, let's say, yeah. it won't sit on top of it, it will sink because it's denser yes. and it'll sink down. But water is a bit crazy. It's a bit of a magic, crazy element. Not element. Does it Whoa. capture air? Does it capture... No. No. Or, no. or, or gas no, 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 no. It's not buoyancy. No, no, no. It's the actual... It's, so ice isn't buoyant. Ice is buoyant. Yes. No, okay. Oh, right. No, uh, not buoyancy in the technical term of buoyancy. If you, buoyancy is when you take a ship, it's that you take a piece yeah, yeah. Of, and, and hull, it displaces more mass in the water than it weighs itself, mm. therefore it sits on top. So that's buoyancy, it's yeah. displacing Our a mass. Work. There's so, air inside it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I suppose you can, I suppose, I suppose technically then, we'd just like to point out here that neither of us are scientists and both of us are just talking out of our hats. Uh, so, you know, feel free to email in. Our science hats. <laughs> email, which are on our bums. Uh, email us and and scream how wrong we were. We'd love to hear from you telling us how wrong we were because this is fun. Now, uh, it's a ice, yeah, suppose ice is void because it's displacing less water than it itself weighs. So is that because it's bigger when it gets colder? Ice expands the last minute, uh, last, the yeah, last bits so, of the temperature, so yes. But it's bigger because... There are little crystals in it that sort of change the structure, the yes, atomic structure. Yeah, it, yes, it does. Yeah, but chemical, what that means the is chemical that bonds, not the atomic structure. So it's got if more. You, just remember, just very important. If you change the atomic structure of water, it's no longer water. You're changing the the bonds between the the. Oh yes, yes, that's okay. important cool. to be. Yeah, to know what we're saying. But now that the ice is bigger mm. than the water that, that it, isn't that ice, it, that it just was. Yeah. So it's got more surface area. And displaces its, its own it's, mass. It's just density. It's now yeah. it's now less dense than the surrounding water. Therefore, it floats on the water. Don't don't worry about surface area and things like that. No. Though how you work out density is by working out yeah. mass in mass in a volume. But that's just confusing way okay. of saying it. That's uh, what no, density that makes sense. is. Yes. So it's just less dense. Cause, yes. And that and it's yes. also bigger. And those those are both tied in. Yes. The bigness is connected. To the density is connected to the. So bigness. what's between the particles? What do you mean? What's like if 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 water. Crystallizes Ooh. when it gets it turns into ice. Yes. Then it it changes its. These are going to now structure. Oh, fits. now I'm really stretching back to old things I used yeah. to know. Covalent bonds and ionic bonds. And I can't remember which one is which. But, but please don't ask me. But, but, but if it's less dense, then it means that there's little spaces between them. Yes, yeah, the space between everything. The space between you and everything. Every, everything in the but universe is, it just is mainly empty space, or is it, it most things? Yeah. No, 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 no. What what, what medium is it? Nothing. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's remember, remember, you you know this. Uh, everything is the wall, though it feels mm. solid to us. The only thing that's stopping me from your hand is actually like, forces the, the 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 protons in my hand pushing back on the protons on the wall. But most of it, if you look at an atom, if you take yeah. the nucleus of an atom, like here's an example: if you take a nucleus of a hydrogen atom and you and you place it down in the centre of Brisbane, where we are right now. Yep. 
boom, center of the city, and it has one electron that flies around it. Where is that electron? If you have one... Oh, okay. Central station? How big is it? How big is it? Hey, sorry, I have to give you a size. Sorry. Hungry Jacks. No, no, if I, if people I, usually if, get together If I jacks. say it's a one-meter... That's <laughs> very good. One-meter <laughs> diameter sphere, and it's sitting in the center of the city... Yeah. I think this is right. Where is the electron? How far out? It's it's ages away. That's like... So that's ages of the time. That's like... <laughs> that's like Mount or something. Further. Sydney. Not that far. Gold Coast. Hey! Yeah, Gold Coast. And that's, that's mind-blowing. The point of that is it's mainly empty space. Yes. So and atoms are mainly empty space. But so it is just that empty space? Empty it's space. not like there's the, the, anything... No. Okay. That's what the, well, okay. is, it, is it, though, then we, we were talking about quantum foam and zero-point yeah, energy, yeah, yeah. but let's not talk about that, because no one can answer that question yeah. yet. We don't know. But no, it's basically most of matter is empty space. Yeah. So that doesn't, doesn't really help us. All right, we've got way off topic. Uh, Titan, I agree. Titan is where I, I put my money <laughs> down, mm-hmm. and we're talking about life on, uh, on another planet, or yeah. at least on the moon. But why I brought it up, have you heard of Enceladus, the other Saturn moon? Uh, yes, I think they were discussing that one. Oh, is that the one that's ice? Uh, yes, mainly ice, ice and, it's and then pumping and out water of... into space. Oh, no, yes. It's, a, it's a, water yeah. volcanoes. The thing, it's actually water. The Cassini-Huygens Cassini probe, but it's now just the Cassini probe because the Huygens probe is one that went to Titan. So it fell off and did its thing. Fell off. You know, ah! What happened? <laughs> we lost a boom. Oh, we hit something. Oh no, the Huygens. pull over, pull over. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, no, sir. No, not in space, right? <laughs> There's nowhere to pull over to, sir. What's There's Saturn. Uh, that would be that'd be a, a bumpy ride. <laughs> that's, that's not a thoughtful engineering idea, <laughs> sir. Uh, so yes, the the Cassini probe's wandering around and actually saw the the Enceladus, the planet made from ice, the the moon, and it noticed these spewing out kind of like those gossamer threads coming mm. off the side of it and, and backlit. What the hell is that? And, and so they realize it was volcanoes on a tiny moon that just should be dead. Because yes. It's being squeezed by Saturn. Squeeze, squeeze, that, squeeze, 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 squeeze. Yes, you'd think that moons would be cold. Yes. Because they're just dead rock that's spinning out in space. There's not enough, especially out there, there's yes. not enough heat from the sun. Mm-hmm. But uh, because this is made up of a certain substance, water. Water, it seems uh, to be, yes. And it's, it spins, it's got its own tide, but the tide is so strong that it actually heats up the core. Kind of, I think. Uh, kind of, kind of. I think you've almost got as far as there's also pressure. There's, there's tidal. It's tidal pressures, but not. I think you've got the wrong idea of tidal pressure. It's not the tide as in Earth tides. It's no. got to do with gravitational pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the planet come is moving in an orbit around Saturn. Well, I assume that the core, whatever it was, is being squeezed. Rock or anything is like squeezed and and, sh- and lots of friction. Yes, which means that it's superheat. Yes, yeah, that's, becomes, it, yeah, yeah. that's that's right. Yes, well, it's like Io around Jupiter. Io, they said it on Io that it actually it drops. I think I've got this right. Three meters when it goes, its surface it actually compresses in by three yeah. meters once every every orbit. That's crazy when you think about it. That's that's where all the heat's come from. So Enceladus is getting the same squeeze yep. from Saturn. So and it's pumping out water. And when Cassini the probe flew right through the gas of oh, this 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 fountain, mm-hmm. twenty no hundred kilometers from the surface so it, that's pretty close to a, to a yeah, planet yeah, just yeah. to rocket past it went through this pu- actually I don't know if it did go through the plume I bet it went through the plume they want to send something through the plume but uh, they, knew, they took pictures of it anyway they know that they don't know that no it's, they have, they, have. They? They, they, went, they sent it through the plume oh okay right and that's how they know it's water just, they can yes. oh no spectroscopy you can do it just by yeah. looking at the light through it and see what exactly what it is but, uh, but the thing it is, is they said it's covered in what could be life but we don't know how to get it back. Well, yeah, so a good point. That's what they want to get someone to connect. That's what they're saying. Yes, I remember seeing something about that. So that's something interesting as well. Life could be in lots of weird places. But Titan, back to Titan. Yep. Titan is um, 98% nitrogen atmosphere, which is similar to Earth, but yep. we have about 72, I think, percent atmosphere, I say 70. So it's very similar to Earth. And the last bit's sort of methane. 
and hydrogen. So the last oh, yeah. 2% or so. So methane, hydrogen. And it's got a pressure. You can stand on the surface. You can just, as long as you could wear a rug up and be warm. Scuba gear. Scuba gear, you'd be fine. Like, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't just decompress because yeah. there is an atmosphere. And also, we've talked about the ice. So ice is strong as rock. Yeah. It gets more, dense, more, more, more dense, more, more dense. So you have to, can't chip it. And it has rivers and lakes of hydrocarbons. So methane, methane yeah. lakes, methane rivers. Under the pressure, what blows my mind is, does that mean if you chucked a match, the whole planet would blow up? You see, I always used to wonder that about Jupiter, because Jupiter's made out of hydrogen and helium. Helium, yes. And I was like, but what happens if you just set... The helium helium doesn't burn, but um, hydrogen sure as hell but does. But hydrogen yeah. burns, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. buggery. Yeah. The humanity! Oh. Yes. <laughs> too soon! Too soon! <laughs> but then, of course, it got hit with the Shoemaker-Levy mm. comet, and the gigantic, massive mm. explosions, mm. but it doesn't catch fire to the whole planet. No, but that's probably, probably because, and this is my guess, this is only my guess here, pressure. Pressure! Uh, hydrogen as a gas under one Earth pressure burns, but ah. hydrogen com- having a living tar compressed out of it will burn at a different rate, will mm. ignite, I should say, at a different rate. I think that's the answer to it. Same as Titan. Because my, my, you get lightning. Titan has massive lightning storms. You have an ignition point, the lightning hitting a methane ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That son of a bitch just go, oomph. But it doesn't because <laughs> the pressure and the temperatures. And there's, there's a different level of, of, of interesting stuff going on here. But what I'm bringing it up for, the live, what's really interesting, scientists, are, as of uh, early this month, have discovered that the amount of hydrogen on the planet is way too low in the atmosphere. There, it, it should be... Maybe it all caught fire. Maybe, maybe it did. But they know from the chemical processes that there's a certain amount of hydrogen going into the atmosphere, replenishing the atmosphere, and it's too low. And they yep. can't work out why it is. Now, one answer is that there is a happy methane-breathing life form down there going, Wee! doing a little thing. And, well, no, sorry, hydrogen-breathing, not methane-breathing, hydrogen-breathing atmosphere, or at least it yep. eats hydrogen, something about hydrogen. It's ingesting it, and it pumps out these uh, organic compounds. If, and when they found these organic compounds as well, so they go, hey, organic compounds. This doesn't mean they found now, life. That, that that's where I've gotten confused, because I thought that organic meant... That it was life. No. Like, no, no, no. You know, wood chips and sheep. Methane and is an organic. Politicians. It's Chon. Always remember Chon. Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen. All right. Chon. If it's made up of Chon, then the organic compounds. Once again, if you're a chemist and I've said that wrong, please write in and tell so me the how wrong between I am. Organics and biologicals. But yes, yes. Organic is, is, is a whole different. Organic chemistry what, doesn't mean life. What does that mean? What, 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 why do we have something that's called organic? Is that just. It's a chemical the term. The chemicals that yes. you can turn into life. No, no, it's nothing to do with life. No? You're, 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 you're putting the primacy of life. Isn't life important? Well, not really. Life is, life is just a organic molecules and chemicals doing their thing, compounds doing their thing, and then life forms can maybe form out of that. Mm. But, but you have organic chemistry, which is carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, so, and compounds of those four things. That's just what's called. You have inorganic and organic okay. compound, uh, compounds. It's it's not life. Organic doesn't always mean life. No. But but life always means organic. Uh, life that we know of does. Yes. Yes. So all life on this planet. Gotcha. And that's how you define it. That's why we yes. have chon. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's it's related. Those are the. The chemicals related to life. Yes. And everyone knows them. These are hydrocarbons. So you wouldn't call uh, oil, uh, or no, you wouldn't call petrol life, but it's, mm. it's, it's an organic chemical. It's, God, he's hoping. But it's I, from life. Gregoire hopes he's getting this oil, correct. Oil is post-life. Uh, like yes. It's, it's mushed yeah. up dinosaurs and stuff. Uh, your plants, yes. Dinosaurs. <laughs> plants. I put dinosaurs in my car, man. <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. 
<laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting point. No, no uh, it, plant life. Sorry, plant life. Maybe I've th- told you not to ruin it. <laughs> Maybe there are a few dinosaurs. I'm editing that Look, bit out. Dan, Dan, th- yes, I heard there was a dinosaur that fell into the plant, and you put, you, in your car there's probably... Dinosaurs eat plants, I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. What? That's, so do we. How does that... Doesn't mean I go to your car and burn nicely. Oh, crap, I'm a vegetarian. Stop looking at me like that. No, I don't want 30 per litre. That's a lot. <laughs> That's, and no one would ever know. If I could build a vehicle that could ingest meat... Basically, <laughs> you'd be a millionaire. And I'd like to point out, there's no one like it's not as if someone's recording this whole thing. My murder, you'd be you'd get away scot free. Scot free. My naivety will be my undoing. <laughs> but anyway, so there, there's chemicals are missing. There's hydrogen missing, and there's a, a mixture of compounds, organic compounds, in mm-hmm. the atmosphere. And people are saying, well, that could be life. There could be some sort of thing down there. Yeah, I'm probably talking microbial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, single small, cell not like sucking rrr, in one thing and spitting. <laughs> Shooting their laser guns and flying their flying saucers. No, that would be cool. Uh, I just imagine them all hanging around the the Huygens probe going, what the hell is this? (laughs) Can you imagine this? Just all the blood ducking whenever it comes back. Jesus, it's come back in. No, no, because the the Huygens actually went to the atmosphere and landed. Oh, yes, that's right. And it froze up. Uh, And so I just imagine these creatures going, dong, dong, dong. Hitting it with a a spear with a flinch of ice. (laughs) Clink, clink, clink. Stack. My God, it's it's tougher than ice. Nothing is tougher than ice. <laughs> Worship it like a god. I kind of see walks. Anyway, yeah, that's the thing. But now, other scientists, just so before everyone gets really excited and starts you know, buying Titan shares or something, mm-hmm. um, other scientists have come out and said, ah, there are very simple. Uh, geological and chemical processes that can do both these things. Mm-hmm. And you go, damn! But it's but it means we should be going there. We should be going there and, and sending human beings mm. to, to poke it with a spoon. And the good thing is that you don't need to come back. Uh, you don't need the fuel to come back because you just fill up with the lights there. Yeah, but yes, that's full right. Full of hydrocarbons. Yes, that's right. You go, and, actually, and, and that wouldn't be bad at all, would it? Sucking God. Dan. Let's start polluting Dan, that planet Dan too. Dan Beeston, big oil advocate. Thanks. Don't worry, we'll just rape this moon. Ah. Sorry, that's a bit harsh. It's hard enough to plug a, a, an oil well in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> you don't want to have to do it on another planet. Hey, here's something. Here's something. Stupid, stupid examples. This is, I don't yep. understand. People, yep. People try and explain things by giving you examples. Yes. And, and they never give you good ones. They'll say, ah, yes, a jumbo jet weighs... 350 African elephants. Yeah. Well, I don't know what an African elephant weighs. I, mean, I have a rough idea that's bigger than me. Well, if it was... But a jumbo jet is bigger than me. So it's stupid. And for... But it's correct. Yeah, it's correct. But it, does, it, it doesn't help. It's, it's a lot of information, but no knowledge. Or data. There's data there, but no knowledge. It hasn't mm. increased my knowledge. The thing is, anything. you get to something like the weight of a jumbo jet, and it's not right for the human brain anyway. But like, human brains go, well, it's as heavy as me. Or it's as, it's as hev- it's heavier than I can pick up, or yes. it's uh, light enough for me to pick up, mm. or it floats away. What yeah. the f- <laughs> and and so the, the moment anything becomes too heavy to even consider moving mm. with a whole bunch of you, then you're, you're you're having to do things abstract concepts like mathematics anyway. Yes, and go or, well, that's twelve ton, or 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 metric truckload of elephants. This is what yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. doesn't help. And okay, why I'm bringing this up is you talk about the Gulf of Mexico, yes, uh, where all the horror has gone down, and then the pumping and the, the horror, just endless horror in that place, just terrible. Where the pressure is so great at the bottom of the ocean that mm. the oil that pumps out of the ground is 
a sludge. It's not a liquid. And it, that's why they're having difficulty when they, when they, I think they've capped it now. But when they did try and cap it, mm-hmm. originally they went, yay, we've capped it. And, and this pipe will take it away. But the, the sludge just caught and it crystallized. The water crystallized and it all went horribly wrong again because pressure. So pressure, there you go, density, gotcha. pressure. But. So it became like a big oily slurpy down Pretty there. much, yeah. Yeah, that, that's going to ruin their machines again. But they explained it on the news. And I said, they're going, how does, this is Australian news. Mm-hmm. So we just get this in perspective context here. They said, oh, yes, the, uh, the oil spill is so big in the Gulf of Mexico. It's so big that if you removed all the oil and placed it over the UK, it would be as big as Scotland. And I went, good for it. Now, it, it, I, have, I have family over in Scotland. Yeah. I've been there. I know what Scotland's like. Scotland's a small place. Mm-hmm. So I went, that doesn't sound too bad at all. But it's only as big as Scotland? There is a, That's tiny. There is a Google map or some sort of clever little Google map API that actually allows you to get the the slick and then overlay where you live on Google Maps. Ah. So, and, I, and you click on it, and it showed me that the, it, it extends all the way up to Deception Bay and then past the Gold Coast and then all the way out twice as far to the west as uh, Toowoomba. Toowoomba. So it's, it's a gigantic... See, that would be more useful. Yeah. But when you say it's as big as Scotland, to an Australian audience, hmm. who cares? Yeah. They might as well say it, and it weighs a billion elephants. France is tiny. Is it? France fits <laughs> like six times into Queensland. Does it, doesn't, and doesn't the whole UK fit 12 times into Queensland? Everywhere's tiny. We forget this. Yeah, if probably. you don't live in Australia, our animals are dangerous, and our country is large. I just learned about the cassowary the other day. <laughs> I thought the only thing we had to worry about was spiders and snakes and crocodiles. No, 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 no. Apparently, even, there are birds out there that are as big as you and I yes. and they will jump into the air and eviscerate you like a velociraptor. No problem at all. That's right. And people wonder, people say, birds didn't evolve from dinosaurs. You go, look at the cassowary! Look at it! It hasn't changed! It just put on Stop some looking at it! Run the other way! <laughs> Don't run. Run! There's no point. You just pray or write a letter to your loved ones because running is not going to... It runs 50 k's an hour, baby. It'll it'll hunt you down. You're gone. You're finished. <laughs> well, what letter would you write? So, De- dear my beloved. Ah! Ooh, ah! It's... it's, a, it's Totally not a big fluffy bird. It was some sort of crocodile or uh, other manly death. That's right. I killed it. I wasn't killed by a giant parrot. That's it. It, but they're dangerous things. They they yeah. are any, any big. But anyway, that's I fell in love with when I was young. Speaking of giant birds in South America before South America landed. Land, crashed <laughs> up against North America. <laughs> Continental drift. Wham! It's not really a crash. And, and they... Uh, like it's a little oh, tiny skinny bit. They haven't oh, yeah. even touched yet. The, 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 can, can, Canama, the Panama Canal... And they've cut it. Is, it still hasn't <laughs> even joined up. Like, it's almost there, just at the Panama Canal. It's, it's, and they're it just, they're just was, inching towards you each can, other. They you haven't can, touched yet. They have. So they're just getting closer. No, look at the Panama Canal. There's no link there. They've so, cut it. They cut the canal. No, 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 no. That's a naturally occurring. <laughs> so, right. And so those two edges I see. and slowly one, one coming day, together to touch. Right. It's the world's most polite docking of continents. Uh, yes. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, because it was away. Like, Australia was away, and we developed lots of you know, de- death marsupials and all the crazy things we have on this, on this island, which yep. is still here. South America had it as well, until they yep. did actually meet. And then I think lions came down, like crazy things. and all those Lions? Big, big, nasty. There, were, there used to be big, big cats. Big not cats, lions. Not lions. Big, there used to be big cats, saber-toothed, actually, yeah, right, uh, in the northern, northern American oh, okay. continent. And they went, and they came down. What they met down there, who'd lived there for a long time, were birds. 
and they call them now, of course, terror birds. And mm. these were big. Like, you have emus and you have ostriches and yeah. you have cassowaries. And then you have the mower, which doesn't exist anymore. Like oh, three geez, m- that th- thing was massive. Three, three meters, meters tall? Yeah, something like that. But I think the terrifying thing about the mower is it's a three meter tall bird and its natural predator was an eagle that would swoop out of the air <laughs> that. and pick the fuckers up. <laughs> really? Who the hell? It was crazy. What? These eagles had, what had happened a wingspan to this eagle? like a sure? biplane. Are you sure? We'll look it up uh, on Wikipedia. I'm going to look it up because because the cast, the mower, where that eagle could fly away. Therefore, that eagle should still exist. As far as I'm aware, humanity it, wiped no, no, out no. the mower. Not, no, no, not no. The, humanity wiped out the mower. Yes. But then the eagles didn't have any food. And oh, they really? died too. How come I've never heard of this giant eagle? Oh, Jesus. Because, the, that, because they <laughs> don't want you to know about it. <laughs> It's Big Birda. Big Birda's keeping a secret. There's an island out there with this giant eagles waiting. That's not a jumbo jet. <laughs> Look, Look, up in the sky. sky. It's, it's a, a bird. bird. It's, it's a, a bird. bird. It's a bird. <laughs> Yom. <laughs> Save me, Superman. <laughs> not even Superman can stop. The giant eagle. Uh, so they have these terror birds. And yes. they, they have these massive beaks that could carve through bone and muscle. And they were the top predator. And they would just have... Half around, yeah. doing the thing, and they'd eat horses. And I love the idea. And you can't go. I mean, they, they could they could still eat a normal horse, but horses were a lot smaller. That sort of thing. And and they just, just hang around and like, eat everything. And these terrifying birds. And the only reason they they didn't win out against saber toothed cats, well, saber toothed cats were just better at what they did. Because they're was, cats and they're birds. And they're, <laughs> this is the natural oh, way of things. I hadn't thought of that. That's amazing. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Smart Enough to Know History. I'm your host, Trinity Fair. We're taking a look back at some of the historical events that have helped make June 20 memorable. And it was on this day in 1837 that a young princess acceded to the throne of Great Britain, becoming queen for the next 64 years. It was the start of the Victorian age, and a lucky coincidence, the new queen just happened to be named Victoria. On this day in communications and in 1840, Samuel Morse received the patent for the telegraph. In 1877, Alexander Graham Bell installed the first commercial telephone service in Ontario, Canada. The first phone call he received was from a pissed off Samuel Morse. Ahoy, ahoy! Well, I never! June 20, 1756, saw one of the darkest days for Britain during its empire building in India, when troops loyal to the Nawab of Bengal imprisoned 146 British soldiers in a small storeroom at Fort William in Calcutta. 123 reportedly died due to the cramped, suffocating conditions, but in recent times, historians have questioned the authenticity of the story, claiming it was exaggerated to stir up anti-Indian sentiment. To find out, let's cross now to time-traveling reporter Go Clumsy, live in the black hole of Calcutta. <laughs> oh, God, this is horrible. What happened to my leg? I can't feel my leg. This job is terrible. And, of 
course, June 20 is Solstice Day. Summer if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, and winter if you're below the equator. So to all the crazy bearded druids out there, we hope you have fun making love on your nearest stone circle. Peace out, pagans. I'm Trinity Fair, and this has been Smart Enough to Know History for June 20. You know what I realised? I don't know how holographs work. Or holograms. Is it hologram or holograph? Hologram, I think. Hologram is the image, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I know that they use lasers yes. to make them. Yes. But that's all I know. Now, mm. I know that I used to have a storybook when I was a kid. And it had like some sort of picture. And then it had little pla- plastic ridges across the top of the picture. Hmm. So when you moved it, it looked like the characters were uh, in 3D. Yes. Uh, or you ah. didn't even need it to move it. Uh, that's a different thing. It's like that's, a stereo... That's thin film inf- in, uh, interference, I, th- I think. I think that's what that is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So basically what it had is there were three or four images, but, but they were all sort of had parallel lines showing the four images. So all four images were superimposed over each other to, mm-hmm. to some extent. Yes. And I'm wondering whether holograms are the exact same thing, but on a microscopic level, using lasers. Is there a question there? What are holograms? <laughs> I, you've picked a good one, because I'm going I'm to struggle with this, but give him a sh- best shot, as yeah. is the nature of this segment. Yeah. yeah. You have a laser. Well, we, we have to jump back slightly more. Light can interfere with other light. Yes. So you can, like a wave. So if you... if you Like um, the double split experiment. Yes, yes, like Young's. Yes, exactly right. If you take two point sources, let's imagine you touch the pool of a very still lake next to each other, like 10 centimetres apart with your fingers. So you, you go tap, tap Two fingers, tap, tap both tap, dropping into tap, the water about the same 10 time. centimetres yes. from each other, tap, creating tap, two tap, sets tap, of ripples. Ripples. Concentric circles of ripples. As the... Ripples meet each other and spread out forever, and you know, forget friction. When the two ridges, like when you go tap and the, and the water yep. jumps back up, when they hit each other, they will uh, combine to be double the height. Double, yep. When the troughs hit each other, they will combine and go double the depth. Yep. If a trough hits a, a ridge, then you, they will cancel each other out. The yep. plus one and the minus one gives you zero. Yep. And it continues on. What's interesting is they don't interfere and then stop. The energy continues on. Yep. And, and when they stop interfering, you'll get these, so you get these rays of still water yep. and raised water. And, and you can actually mathematically work out from 10 centimetres, uh, so you say it's 10 metres apart, 10 centimetres apart, being the frequency of once every second, tap, 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 thousand and one, thousand, actually that's double, isn't it? It's two, two a second. And you go tap, tap, tap. You can then work everything else out from there. Yeah. Okay, so now I think this now leads us into how holograms work. You take a laser and you split the beam with an inferometer. I think I'm using the right word there again. Second time we mentioned inferometers. And you split the light yep. and you you then bounce the split beam back onto the subject. Let's say it was you. Yep. So you're standing there looking at me and so I have a laser pointing directly at you. You get split in 90, uh, 90 degrees and then bounce back towards your face. Okay. And then it bounces back. We then look at how those two separate beams, which came from the same beam, so they're exactly the same beam of light, how they interfere with each other and that makes a three-dimensional picture of your face. Now, I know that's not exactly right. 
<laughs> but it's got something to do with splitting the light and the interference of the beam, the beam interfering with itself. It might even be you point one light at your face and then you split one off and you, you interfere it back on anyway directly. And it's the interference. But it's something to do with interference. It's what makes the three-dimensional picture. So what's the substance that the hologram is made out of? Is, is, is a metal? The hologram itself. Normally, it's, they normally make it out of, um, a, um, like a, a plastic, and they—they, they, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, normally, we've got to make, we've got to say what a hologram, what sort of hologram we're looking at here. A lot of the time, we have this sort of a light that shines on something, and it gives a three-dimensional picture. But if you have thin films, like I've seen like three three D. If you're looking at three D at a picture theater like Avatar, that's not anything. That's nothing to do with holograms, is it? No, no, no. I'm talking about the little ones you see on your Mastercard. See, that's different again. That's different again. That's that's the thin film I was talking about before. Yes. That's um that's different. So that is that is a um, light bouncing off, and I think it's got to do with it's not interfering with each other. Oh. I don't think that's the same thing, but it does give a very similar effect. We're talking more about the ones where you have that. So that's how you make it, though. I'm confused now. You've confused me, Dan Beeson. Well done. Then let's go to the Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, back from our Wikipedia break. <laughs> so now I have to explain it. I was almost exactly right. Almost. I'm, I'm ha- quite happy. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, inferometer, totally incorrect. Uh, it's just called a beam splitter. So you have a uh, coherent source of light, like a laser, yep. and you fire it along, and then you split it. And one will go to the object. Just like a, a, a wedge of something? A mirror? Like a prism. A prism. Uh, diffraction. You, you're diffracting through. Yep. So, so you diffract the light off one portion. And, well, you, I suppose you reflect off one part, and, and it goes through the other way. Yep. So the one beam continues on and strikes the object. Yes. And uh, then the light scatters onto a photographic plate. Oh, okay, so, so it bounces off the object and hits the photographic plate. Yes, it hits the photographic plate. Cool. So the other yep. beam just gets split and then bounced directly onto the photographic plate. So you have the light as it was originally, what's called the reference beam, yep. touching the plate perfectly. It hasn't been messed around. It hasn't hit anything. It's just come from the source yep. directly to the plate. Yep. And then at 90 degrees, it runs into the split light, which is bounced off the object. Yep. And that gives a picture on the photographic plate. Well, not on the plate. You can't see it on the plate. But then if you then shine the same reference beam onto the photographic plate and stand on the other side of the plate, you then see the holographic oh, image. So it kind of takes away... It's encoding information onto the photographic plate. You can't see it until you f- give the reference beam back again, the unadulterated yeah, light yeah. form. And then it can say, well, what, how can I, hang on, I struck this here and it's reflecting to your eyes, but it's going to interfere, like it's going to be stopped by certain elements of the photographic plate which came from the object as it reflected from the light source originally. Now, when you're looking at your credit cards or those little ones, yeah. that's the photographic plate. It's, um, they say it's made from plastic or polyester normally, and it's the, the reference beam is just white light. So the reference oh, beam right. is the light. It was done with a white light. That's why they're kind of low in accuracy. They're not very good, they're not very sharp or crisp because it's, it's a lot of white light. It's just a lot of light. Or there might, might be certain elements of the white light in the, according to the article. So it might be the red in the white light or it might be the, because, you know, all white light is actually roigibiv, red, orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, violet. Okay. So it's all the lights, maybe certain elements or certain wavelengths of the light bouncing into your eyes. And that's why it's green. That's why it's red. That's why it's blue. These little hologrammy things. So the reference beam is just the light around you. And then you have to get to a certain angle and you can see the light. You can see the hologram. Done. So that explains why you can see an image through the photographic plate. 
Why does it look three-dimensional? Because the light that reflected from the object, the laser light that reflected from the object and yeah. bounced onto the plate yeah. and was interfered with by the reference beam, the unadulterated light, yeah. is all the information that uh, those two beams had now is being stored on a two-dimensional plate. All the same information is there, all the interference patterns, the troughs and the peaks oh, stored on the plate. I see. When you add in the reference beam onto the plate and you stare at the other side, that you, you now get a light source and it shows all the troughs and the peaks and it's interfering with itself or the other light and therefore it gives the image as if it was on the other side of the plate. So it could be off in the distance. Yeah, if you just had a reference beam on a normal photographic plate, there hasn't been, you just see a light shining in your eyes. Yep. It would reflect into your eyes. But because when that light hits a photographic plate that has these dark, patches and light patches and, and all the different it gives you back it says well you've added this one and these things get in the way and stop certain aspects of the light getting through or certain parts of the light and therefore that gives you an image gotcha but it's not actually stopping the light it's not putting an opaque image in front of it what it's doing is like on the pond it's like a trough yes yes and yes, a there you go, yes. Meeting yes and being a zero value yes. so the only thing you see are the peaks and troughs that right. aren't interfering. Oh, so therefore okay. you get that the original image sense. that you had before. And, that, and because the original image was three-dimensional, you see a three-dimensional image. Yep, got it. Phew. Hopefully the audience has as well. Once again, if we've got that wrong and you're a physicist who knows about interference and holography, please get in contact with us at the website. My brain feels hot. <laughs> so, Dan, answering your little question about holograms, do I get a plus one? A zero, so plus one for doing it right, a zero for not getting it all wrong, or a plus half. Remembering that at the end of this, the next couple of podcasts, we're going to be in competition with each other. Who could answer the best? I am going to give you a plus one for being correct, Ooh. even though you got a couple of things wrong. I did. It was also much harder than I expected. <laughs> It was. So yes. congratulations, that's a full point to you. Full point to the wall. Excellent, thank you very much. Hello, is, is this the Punjabi rug and carpet store? Yes, I purchased an 8 by 5 foot rug from you last week, and I am not happy with it at all. Well, it's not damaged, no. No, it, it's not the colour or the style. I don't give a toss what it looks like. I got it because it's cold and I've got hardwood floors. I just wish I could keep my feet warm in winter. And that's what... It... Excuse me, I'm on the phone. No, I don't. Jesus. Look, the, the rug looks fine. It's not damaged, but it doesn't sit right. No, it lies flat and it seems like it's fine. But when I get down on my hands and knees, it sits just above the floor. No, you are not listening. It's hovering. There's only one job that a rug is supposed to do, and this rug doesn't do it. That's all it does. It lies flat on the floor. That shouldn't be too hard, and this rug doesn't do it. Yes, hovering, like four inches off the floor. I found what? The legendary flying carpet of who? You sold me a second-hand carpet? Look, I've had just about enough of this. I want this exchanged immediately. But... Oh, oh, you will? Oh, oh great, thanks. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. All right, all right. I'll, I'll come down and exchange it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, okay, I'll be there in um. I'll actually, I'll be there in a couple of seconds. Genie, my second wish. I wish to be transported to the rug store. Yes, again. <laughs>
I always find people think that scientists are boring people. We touched on earlier on, Dan, about how scientists are passionate about their little planet or the little moon. Oh, yeah, they were keen. And this is something that I, I, as a trained physics teacher, I share that. I really, and I love science, and I, and I think the whole world... You're not jaded No, yet. not at all. And I, and I never will. Well, from teaching. <laughs> but I, I never will be. <laughs> well, that's that's going to come back and the bite teaching, The teaching is different to the to the science. I'm never going to be tired of the science. There's always, you can go, oh my God, there's a magic, magic that's out there. I mean, true magic, as in science, is true magic. Uh, not magic. <laughs> bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. A bad there analogy. a lot of people angry right now. <laughs> Science is magic, like magic. Yeah, it's it's not, not like no, magic. No, no. That's the whole point of science. It's science is the opposite of magic. But it's magical. Go on. Like it's magical. Gee, it, 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 it gets me very excited. These amazing things that you discover about the world, understanding the world, and I like it when people actually try and use a medium mm-hmm. uh, to explain science, such as they might be giants. Did here comes science, an entire album with correct factual information. Yes. Now, there's a man online called, who calls himself the Symphony of Science. I don't know his mm-hmm. real name. And he's created all these auto-tuned snippets from Carl Sagan's Cosmos documentaries and, and other people, uh, such as uh, uh, Richard Dawkins and Stephen Hawking mm-hmm. and uh, lots of different scientists. Richard Feynman, my favorite scientist. If you don't know who Richard Feynman is, look him up, dear listener, because he's the most interesting scientist. He played the bongos. Brilliant. Brilliant guy. Anyway. Uh, it's just, you are a hippie, aren't it's just, you? I, know, I, love, I love Richard Feynman. He's, he was a great guy. Look him up. F-E-Y-N-M-A-N-N. Richard Feynman. That sounds made up. <laughs> yes, he's, he's ill in my head. So this guy, the Symphony of Science, has created all these auto-tuned songs and trying to explain how wonderful science mm-hmm. is and trying to get people interested in. And I, would, I think it's really good to try and show this to the all audience. All right. Let's go then. If you're scientifically literate, the world looks very different to you, and that understanding empowers you. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. We can do science, and with it, we can improve our lives. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. The story of humans is a story of ideas that shine light into dark corners. Scientists love mysteries. They love not knowing. I don't feel frightened by not knowing things. I think it's much more interesting. There's a larger universal reality of which we are all a part. The further we probe into the universe, the more remarkable are the discoveries we make. The quest for the truth in and of itself is a story that's filled with insights. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. We can do science, 
And with it, we can improve our lives. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. The story of humans is the story of ideas that shine light into dark corners. From our lonely point in the cosmos, we have through the power of thought been able to peer back to a brief moment after the beginning of the universe. I think that science changes the way your mind works to think a little more deeply about things. Science replaces private prejudice with publicly verifiable evidence. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. We can do science, and with it, we can improve our lives. That is possibly the nerdiest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Damn, it wasn't cool. Oh, come on. It was only the first episode. <laughs> don't, don't run away, dear listeners. We'll, I'm sure we'll do better next time. <laughs> You have been listening to Smart Enough to Know Better. All of the links that we've discussed in the show can be found in the show notes at smartenough.org. If you'd like to discuss any of the topics that we've discussed in the podcast, please jump into our forum and be the first person to register. We've recorded stuff. <laughs> we're, we're real podcasters. It's happening! It's happening! All my dreams come true! <clears throat> Manly voice. I like that. I like that the open pause establishes where the end is. Yes, yeah.